Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's going to be a little bit different, a unique night, a little bit more laid back, and I'd like to have some uh, open digital dialogue uh, with you uh, through the next uh, 40 minutes here uh, together. We're not going to go a full hour, um, but I would like to have some interchange with you uh, around or along the lines of uh, several things in particular. Uh, first of all, if you could let me know that you're here by way of text. Uh, my cell phone number is 440-364-7857, 440-364-7857. If I don't have your number stored in my phone, uh, be sure in your text uh, to let me know your name. Uh, I will only use first names because this is a public live stream. And if you don't want, to use, don't want me to use your name at all, even your first name, uh, please let me know. But I'd like to hear uh, what God's doing in your life through the first couple weeks of battling uh, this virus in our culture, in our area. Uh, what is he doing to encourage your own heart? Uh, what opportunities has he given you to minister to others during this time? Because we're all finding out that a strengthened church is a giving church. They give to others in so many different ways and they minister to others. So let me hear your testimonies of opportunities that the Lord's given to you and all those listening tonight will uh, be able to log those for their own prayer purposes as well. I'm going to share with you some scripture uh, tonight and also share with you a couple excerpts of a book that I've been reading in relationship what it means to have a church that ministers together. And um, by the end of this 40 minutes or so, I'm sure our hearts will be encouraged. It's just glad, uh, I'm just glad to be together again with you. Uh, I, more than a handful of you reached out over the course of the weekend and we're hoping that we didn't have to honor that, um, that fifth Sunday uh, obligation of having the evening service off. And you know, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Uh, we're all feeling our way through this whole thing, uh, one day at a time, and uh, we're, we're glad to be able to encourage each other, and uh, I'm glad to be here, quite frankly, uh, to be encouraged by you. Uh, so let's open with a word of prayer uh, tonight together, and uh, we'll move along. Uh, join me, please. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, so much for um, this time to encourage each other's hearts through testimony, the sharing of scripture, and the sharing of opportunity of what God's doing in our lives, and personally and what he's doing through our lives publicly. It's indeed a unique once in a lifetime experience. I have to admit even driving to and from the church building to do the live streams, it's, it's uh, eerily slow, quiet. The only movement that seems to be happening is essential movement. And Lord, uh, as our hearts grow accustomed to this for however long you would have us experience this, this shutdown, um, I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be continually open to be grown by you, to be instructed by your spirit, 
in the word, uh, strengthen so that we may indeed have the opportunity to strengthen others, even as we began to see this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We need your help. We need to learn from each other what you're doing in our lives. And we need to continually pre be prepared uh, to do your will, uh, only to do it together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I was reading in an athletic article uh, in relationship to my daughter's track season. Um, as you know, all the athletes across the world right now are shut down from high schoolers to Olympians. And um, their coaches are feverishly texting them, video chatting with them, and sharing with them uh, all the ways that they're expecting them to stay in shape and to be ready for their seasons when they start up again or when they commence. Uh, one coach uh, had communicated with her saying, you don't ever have to get ready if you stay ready. You don't ever have to get ready if you stay ready. And I thought, you know what, a lot of that, apply, a lot of that statement applies to our own spiritual existence as well, doesn't it? especially in relationship to a church that's ready to be light and minister to its community uh, when its community's hurting. You know, folks, I don't know how many days or weeks or months that God's going to have this um, um, closed down happen. Every day and every week and every month that it continues it's going to have its increasing adverse effect on our culture. For the first time in our lives, we're all going to really come to know how strong and or how weak we are as individual believers, but we are just individuals that make up a part of a whole of our church family. and, and uh, Our metal is going to be tested. I would say we've gone through the kindergarten aspect of that so far. The testing of our metal in these first couple weeks, we're all going to be graduating to various levels of what it means to, to be put to the test. And um, what I'm thankful for, uh, among so many other things, as pastor of Grace Church, is I'm thankful for how quickly our people were able to transition into this temporary new normal in ministering to each other. People who minister to each other are people who didn't have to get ready, they were staying ready. And they not only were um, experiencing self-ministry and ministry through the word here in public worship, but as soon as this happened, they were able to launch themselves into ministering to others. So I'm so thankful that we didn't have to get ready for this, but we were able to stay ready. But even uh, the state of readiness is going to require a level of perseverance from us, like I said before, that we've, uh, we've not really experienced before. Next Sunday, as we gather together and we finish up, 
verses 5 to 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to find out, as we already read this morning, that um, there are times in life when we despair even of our lives. We have that Elijah moment, as the Apostle Paul had, that I believe even our Lord Jesus Christ had in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is a human thing to um, have the effects of sin outside of us bear upon us so heavily that we um, have no strength left of ourselves to move forward. Have you been there before in your life? Uh, have you been to the point where um, you could not, even though you loved God, you were a worshiper of God and a minister to others, um, you couldn't do it anymore? Um, but God, right? Uh, God is going to have that unique um, handcrafted comfort uh, for you at that time for us as a church at that time and then together with him and with each other we're going to be able to uh, move forward step by step and know what it means to persevere like we've never known before so I just want to use tonight and this brief time that we have together as one small experience together of strengthening each other um, to prepare for uh, ministry tomorrow among one another and then in our community. I want you to pray with me, uh, if you would, please. And maybe you've already started that. But if not, tonight I want you to start praying with me that God would give us unique and unparalleled gospel opportunity in our neighborhoods and in our city, in our region, for the gospel's sake. Okay? Ask the Lord to give you wisdom to discern those opportunities. And ask the Lord to give you that Holy Spirit boldness to pursue those and to trust him. And then make sure that you're sharing with us how he's answering those prayers because those testimonies that you send of these opportunities that you've prayed for when they come to fruition, uh, there are fewer things in our day uh, that are more encouraging to see the Spirit of God uh, use you in that way. So, uh, thank you for texting me and letting me know that many of you are here with us. Um, some of you have begun to already text a particular testimony um, about what the Lord's taught you through this and an opportunity that he's given you through this crisis. We'll get to those in just a moment. I wanted to read a passage of scripture to you tonight from the book of Romans in the 12th chapter, if you want to turn there uh, together. And uh, I just want to focus on a few phrases here of what love does look like uh, when it is healthy uh, inside a church that doesn't have to get ready, but, but has stayed ready for a moment like this. And then we'll read a couple testimonies, uh, a couple opportunities, and then We'll take a look at a couple excerpts from a book that I would encourage you all to be able to get during this time. Um, you can get it digitally, I believe. Um, and uh, it's a wonderful book that was recommended to me about six months ago by Jim Putman. And the title of the book is The Power of Together. 
discovering the Christian life uh, that we've been missing. And long before this crisis came, there was a Holy Spirit movement um, in the church, and I will tell you, it was global. I don't know if it was revival or revivalistic. I've never been through a revival. But I will tell you that it was certain. And it was very, very clear to me that no matter where I traveled, overseas or throughout our country, that the Spirit of God was doing a great work in the hearts of His children along the lines of what it meant to do the Christian life together. Books were written, sermon series were being preached, and we were just allowed to be a part of that, to share the story of what God's doing here at Grace Church. But God the Spirit has regenerated us, and he indwells us, and he illuminates us by his word of what it really means to be a church that knows how to be a true family in Jesus Christ and what it means to do what you hear so often here, do the Great Commission with personal integrity. Uh, so anyways, we'll talk a little bit about that tonight and um, probably that conversation will continue throughout the week as we um, minister and speak to one another. Romans chapter 12, and I would like uh, to begin reading here uh, in verse uh, number 9. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9. Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. I picture these verses as one chest of drawers. And I would call that not a hope chest, but maybe uh, a love chest, a love chest. And each drawer would, in that chest of drawers, would have a title on it. And a title would be one of the activities, one of the numerous activities listed here. Let our love be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. Let it be authentic. Let it be as deep as it is wide for the body. Let it be pure, unsullied love. What does that do? What does that love do? Well, as I said earlier, it does exactly what many of you have been doing already through the early days of this crisis. And it does abhor evil. 
love cannot handle evil as a practice in the way it lives. Paul says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I believe in a, in a worship context. If you hold your finger here in Romans 12 and go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, and we can be reminded very briefly uh, where Paul says that this love, even in the context of worship, is something that uh, casts out or is warned of or doesn't want to associate with any kind of evil. He says here in verse number uh, 14 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, and abstain every form of evil. The Spirit of God loves to give clarity as to what that evil is that we are to abstain from, that we are to abhor. He does that as you walk with him, and especially as you're walking with him, you spend time in his word, and you're actually desiring the Lord to define what evil is for you so that you can hate what God hates, and you could abstain from what God is never been a part of evil cling to that which is good be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another another drawer not lagging behind in diligence fervent in spirit we're going to stay on our toes we're going to stay genuinely passionate about what the Lord is passionate serving the Lord. There are a myriad of ways that we are all finding out that we can serve the Lord and serve one another during this time. And you're doing that. I would encourage you again to pray creatively how not only you can do that with one another, but how we can do that in reaching out to those who are in our natural rhythms of life, now even in a digital way who need the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to become a more joyful people. We've said that over and over in our sermons here, all the pastors have, that the persevering saint is a joyful saint because we're rejoicing in a hope that's certain. The more difficult this becomes, the more joyful we should be. We find our way to joy because we regularly find our way to discipline our minds and our hearts to think of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we persevere well under tribulation. 
we increase in prayer. I was telling someone yesterday by way of text in the church, I think it was a Marco Polo video, I think we're all finding out now more and more of what it means to pray without ceasing. That 24-hour dialogue with our Creator is something that uh, I was talking to my wife at 3 o'clock in the morning last night, and it seems like now more than ever, uh, we're falling asleep in communion with our Father in Heaven, and when we wake up, we pick up where we left off, no matter what hour of the night. And throughout the day, we're finding out what it means to be devoted, committed to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints, that's certainly a drawer in this love chest. We're already prepared to help those who are hurting, uh, who are wondering how they're going to not just pay their bills, but put food on the table. People who are fearing being furloughed uh, from their jobs, an estimation of some 3 million jobs potentially lost in our country in the next few weeks here. And, but we're ready because you love well. You're already prepared to care for uh, the needs of the saints we had a sweet uh, couple in our church. All the couples in our church are sweet, but one of those sweet couples called us yesterday, and they, and they said, you know, uh, we know that you have all six home right now, all four of your children, and it's true. We've got our children home here for the first time for longer than 30 hours, my wife was saying last night, um, in the last six years. Um, and they said we were burdened as a couple because... We can't imagine how much your kids eat. <laughs> so, and they said, we have some ground beef that we would like to give to you. And uh, when I got that message over text, uh, I just wept and I thought about this particular verse. And people that stay ready don't have to get ready. They were on their toes, ready to contribute to the need of the saints in my home. And so we drove over to their home, and while we were practicing and honoring social distancing rules, uh, they left for us outside 16 pounds of ground beef. And so it only took today for that ground beef to be gone already. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure we'll make it through tomorrow at least. But that's just one personal story of hundreds of stories, really, that are coming to us as spiritual leaders at Grace. And we're so happy uh, that you are ready to contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality. I'll, I'll tell you, there are some rules now. Someone was asking me the other day, how in the world do we practice um, social distancing rules when those rules contradict um, scripture. You folks know what the word hospitality is if you've been around the word here at any length of time. Receiving strangers into our homes. We looked at that at 1 Peter 4 a couple weeks ago together on a Wednesday night. And um, 
Our hearts long to do that, right? They long to do that. But you've been inviting each other into your homes digitally, right to your dinner tables, to your coffee tables, to your studies. And you sent me pictures of practicing this hospitality. Uh, you know, we've got to continue to obey Romans 13, and we submit ourselves to our rulers that God's appointed for us because they are ministers unto us for good, that's to be sure. Uh, but I don't know that there's one phrase here, one participle, one action item, if you will, of any of these phrases in this passage in Romans 12, uh, these, these drawers in this love chest that we cannot practice and we should not be practicing as we go along uh, as we had been practicing them before. It might look a little bit different, but we can do these things. So anyways, uh, that's just a, a brief devotional review of a passage of scripture that I wanted to remind you about to stay focused upon as we seek to be genuine lovers of God and his word and uh, each other. I just want to read through here a couple text messages from some folks, and I'll do my best to cheer you as they've cheered me uh, tonight by sending these to us. And um, one of our members, um, um, Hope and Ben, uh, this couple, they have a neighbor who's a nurse who's working uh, with some COVID patients at this time. Um, and she has, it looks like, an eight-month-old that was tested, who thankfully was negative. And they were able to share with them that they were praying with them uh, while they waited for the results, and they were grateful. And uh, Hope and Ben are um, praying for continued open doors with these neighbors. Another uh, couple in our church said that one of the blessings for them of this virus was that they had neighbors that were uh, always up and gone to work uh, before um, they would get moving for the day and get outside at least. And they were always coming home after working late hours after this family was already in their homes for the night. And they had never met this hardworking neighbor. Well, now this neighbor is working from home and they were sharing with me that they have had uh, blessed opportunities to speak across their yards and finally get to know their neighbors. And they asked us to pray that the open door, that had, the door that's been open would stay open as they seek uh, to reach uh, these neighbors uh, together. Uh, another family in our church said that they were blessed by much encouragement from another member in our church uh, Samantha. Uh, so Tina was blessed by Samantha. Uh, Tina was really struggling to keep focused and um, uh, was a little bit scared um, about what would have been going on and was more scared than she would like to admit. And uh, these folks are beginning to study the scriptures together and uh, build a relationship upon God's word for mutual encouragement. And I love that. I love that kind of transparency. We're going to see that again next week in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, but I love that transparency, and I think that's a result. Those opportunities come to you as we pray for creative wisdom of the Lord, giving those to us, and then we've got to follow through uh, 
with what we read here in Romans chapter 12 uh, to be sure. Um, Frank writes to us, hey Frank, how's it going? Um, He said, hey Mr. Potter, I watched this morning's stream with my dad today and it was a great encouragement for both our hearts. Um, Hopefully we can set up a FaceTime call soon. I'm sorry I missed your FaceTime call on Thursday. I had to do some things uh, at my dad's last week uh, because my mom still has to go to work and uh, I'm staying at my dad's full time now. um, So I don't bring the virus to both houses. So Frank, uh, it's great to hear from you. Thanks for sharing that testimony. I know how much that means to your heart and uh, we're praying for dad and uh, I may just give you a a FaceTime call here um, tonight and uh, set up a time so we can get together uh, this week. Pat writes to us, she says, uh, this whole ordeal is making me realize how important fellowship means and realizing how important it is to listen to God's words and follow him and to look more deeply into his word. Praise God, Pat. Um, Thank you for that transparency. Uh, and Thank you for taking others with you on that journey uh, as you go deeper into God's word. Uh, Carol and Carl have texted tonight and they said, Pastor, we've been able to help our elderly neighbor in several ways the past two weeks Praise God for that. Again, I think as we pray and we lift up our eyes, the Lord's going to give us these spirit-governed opportunities. And I'm thankful to you folks for that awareness. And um, they share here how much they miss their Grace family and the wonderful singing of music. But remind us here that uh, God is good all the time. We have a new couple uh, not not new to our church, but they're new parents in our church, should I say. And Jacob and Joanna give a testimony here. They say that they've been amazed at God's provision and how it seems he has prepared us for this time in the last few months. We also are really enjoying a sweet time together with our little one. What a blessing. And I'll tell you, I've been uh, spending a good amount of time with this sweet couple through some Marco Polo videos and through some text messages. And uh, they've really been going through uh, a unique time in relationship to their occupation and their schooling. And they've made some big decisions here to move forward and trust God. And uh, I know the Lord is taking care of their every need and will do that Um, so Jacob and Joanna we love you and thank you so much for persevering so well Uh, there's other things that I know that have come uh, to your plate that you're dealing with that are burdens to your heart and and uh, I'm just proud of you and uh, we're thankful so much to have you part of our church family along with your new little one and um it's going to be wonderful to look back in the months and years ahead to see how God protected you and strengthened you uh, during this time. Uh, 
Lynn writes to us tonight, the Lord is giving us many opportunities as a couple right here in our neighborhood. We have been calling people, taking meals to those who have a need. And we're meeting more neighbors now since more folks seem to be out walking to escape the confines of their homes. And, and you know what? We've all probably done that. And if you haven't, try it. Go out and just stand in your driveway and you're going to meet a lot of walkers. I have had three different conversations this week of quite extensive length with people I've never met before who are just a couple streets away. So praise God for this opportunity to be light for Lynn and for Harry. And let's pray for their neighbors tonight as we continue to develop our prayer list as we go along. Okay. All right, there's a couple more testimonies here uh, that I'll read in just a little bit. Uh, but I told you I'd like to read uh, an excerpt for you from this book, uh, the Power of Together by Jin Putnam uh, and uh, Putman, excuse me. Um, now, we were taught in seminary in sermon preparation, which this is not. This is more of a fireside family room chat and sharing time tonight. Uh, we were told never to read long excerpts from sources that you study for your sermon. So uh, these are going to be a little bit longer, uh, but try not to fall asleep. <laughs> I think he's got some tremendous truth throughout the whole book. Um, but I'll just read uh, larger sections of two different pages for you, make a couple comments, and uh, feel free to share your testimonies and prayer requests again as we move along here. Uh, Jim writes here, as I mentioned earlier, the entire Bible is about relationship. I found that to be a fascinating statement. Remember in Matthew twenty-two forty, Jesus said that all the law and the prophets hang upon loving God and loving others. Every law God gives expresses, he expresses his desire to build and to protect relationships. Being spiritually mature means we understand the heart of God and seek to love what and whom he loves. It causes great difficulty for God's team, the church, when leaders miss that point. In many Christian circles, spiritual maturity has become about rule following or gaining knowledge. An elevated, highly skilled, charismatic personalities. Then there are those who are left to themselves to discover what this maturity is, and in turn, they develop a faulty version. They conclude that maturity is simply going to church and listening to a very intelligent person tell you what to believe. It's knowing the Bible. It's inviting friends to church to hear the gospel presented. It's being a greeter or usher or nursery worker. And the pinnacle is becoming a teacher like the person up front. Knowing scripture and listening to others and listening to good teachers are good, but these alone uh, do not make a person spiritually mature or create a body of mature Christian 
followers. He goes on to say discipleship includes not only knowing God and living a life of service to him, but also developing the ability to share the faith as well. More than that, every believer is called on to learn how to help others become disciple makers as well. Maturing people, helping others mature. Our highest goal is to love God and to love others and to use whatever gift we have to show that disciple making love. I thought that was powerful. He goes on to say in page 52 of this book, the biblical goal of every believer is to make disciples who make other disciples. People who follow Jesus are being transformed by the Holy Spirit and joined with Jesus and his people on his mission to restore relationship between God and mankind and between humans to one another. It's so important to fully understand what it means to make disciples. It's, it's possible to disciple someone towards the wrong goal or an incomplete goal if we're not careful. Ultimately, our goal is to produce accurate copies of Jesus. We must be making the kind of disciples that Jesus himself produced. Note the strong warning of Jesus held forth in Matthew 23:15. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. The Pharisees certainly put a lot of exertion into their disciple-making efforts. They would travel extensively to win even a single convert to the law of Moses as presented in Judaism. But then they prevented that convert from seeing the truth. The Pharisees taught a religious system that mandated rule following and allegiance to tradition rather than the pathway to freedom and life found ultimately in Jesus Christ. They were making disciples, but not the right kind of disciples. We need to take care not to do the same. And praise God, uh, you folks are following uh, the biblical admonition to make sure that we're trying to be the disciple maker that, that replicates disciples who are copies of Christ likeness. And I'll be honest with you, uh, there are a handful of people um, among us and outside of us that uh, really um, <clears throat> have gotten heartburn about the emphasis on discipleship or disciple making here. I really believe that they're just byproducts of the way that we sought to make disciples over the past three or four decades. We raised our replicas. The corrective that by God's help, according to his word that we've tried to bring here at Grace Church of Mentor, now has become a lifestyle for about 80% of our congregation, but those who were raised up here and from other places in a different way it's still foreign language to them. Uh, they like to do church as was stated in the first page that we read. Uh, they like to come and be busy. They like to be involved. They'll even serve. They'll participate in the choir. They'll serve in the nursery. They'll be an usher. Uh, they'll go to class. 
they'll give. When it comes time for them to step up and be a disciple and then train someone else to be a follower of Jesus Christ, they're not comfortable with that. And I understand. I understand. I wasn't comfortable with it for a long time. And if the pastor's not going to be the chief disciple maker in the church, the people aren't going to follow. There was a book that we all read through together some time ago as leadership. It's called The Trellis and the Vine by Colin and Payne. They gave um, an illustration in that book that when you read it and when people read it for the first time, it was the most bizarre illustration, the most far-fetched, unrealistic, sensationalistic illustration that you could ever read in a book. Uh, almost to the point where when most people got to that part of the book, they put it down and thought these two to be somewhat uh, crazy, I believe. <laughs> they gave an illustration about what would happen to the church if the church was in a world that was involved with a pandemic. What would happen to the church if the church could not be the church that it was used to being? They couldn't function the way they were used to functioning. Would the church even be the church if it couldn't function the way it used to function? When you read that book, that'll catch your eye. But it compels us to make a choice. Is the church truly functioning in a spiritual flesh and blood way as God intended her to function. And we only know that it's functioning well by what happens to her now when that pandemic comes. When that crisis comes. Crisis separates the men from the boys, so to speak, among churchgoers, among worshipers. It compels us to bury our faces in the scriptures and surrender our hearts to its truths and its mandates. I praise God, like I said, the majority of our church, and this is not an arrogant statement. This is a statement of thanksgiving. Whenever I said this before, it was, it was often taken by some as, boy, you just think your church is all that, and, and boy, you think grace is this, that, and the other, and no other church can compare. And it was completely, totally taken out of context and had nothing to do with what I really meant in my heart of hearts. But I am thankful that many of you, your faces have been buried in Scripture and your hearts surrendered to its truths. And you have decided, by the grace of God, according to the Word of God, to be a disciple-making first-century Christian as God laid it out in His Word. So therefore, when this extreme, probably never going to happen, crisis comes, the people of God are able to be the church of God without meeting in a building. God bless you for that. God bless you for that. I think we may only be just across the threshold of the consequences of this crisis. And if we are, and this is sustained for weeks and months, I think 
we who have stepped out and endeavored passionately to become disciple makers, to reproduce uh, in somebody else by leading them to Christ and training them in the word, copies, replicas of the life of Jesus Christ, we're going to find out even more intensely what that means as we may be given even more of an exclusive shepherd-like care for these souls that you're leading and as you become more and more like sheep to those who are leading you. So anyways, I encourage you to uh, get a hold of this book, The Power of Together, and uh, give it a read during your extra discretionary time right now. Be blessed by it. Be encouraged by it. I was. I was encouraged and blessed by The Trellis and the Vine. Uh, when I read that book, uh, there was a friend of mine uh, that uh, came into my office one day and put that book on my desk, The Trellis and the Vine, and they said, uh, Pastor Tim, um, I'm sure you've read this book, but I got a copy of it for you. And, uh, and I said, no, I've never read the book. The book was The Trellis and the Vine. And, and, uh, and he said, uh, you sure you haven't read it? And I was like, no, I've never heard of it in my life. And he goes, okay, because you guys are actually doing here at Grace what this book says. And so the next time I had an opportunity to travel, um, I took that book with me and I read it. And it was a great blessing to my heart because even when I got to that section on that crisis that everyone gets heartburn over, of surely the church is never going to have to go through that, um, it was refreshing to me. Now, I actually thought, wow, I think, I think if something happened in our culture where we weren't blessed to be able to meet together in one building, I think our people are on their way to being ready. Remember, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. So by God's grace, right, it's all God's grace. It's all his doing. <laughs> what can we say but rejoice and keep persevering, keep doing well, do this together, keep refreshing each other in the word and through testimonies of what uh, God's doing in your life uh, together, okay? So you're being the church in all of its essential ways. Uh, the local church, Grace Church of Mentors, should be like that love chest with all those different drawers and compartments we read in Romans chapter 12. Review those, keep practicing those, and keep loving well. I love you. I hope you know that. I'm praying for you in different and unique ways than I've ever prayed in the 28, 29 years that I've been here. It's an honor to be your pastor. It's an honor for many of you to ask to say, look, can we just get together tonight over live stream and share what God's doing? It's a tremendous blessing. And my friends, keep on keeping on. This is what the church was meant to be in the first century. These are wonderful times. These are exciting times. May God use us continually as light right around us as we continue to shepherd each other in Christ. We love you, and we'll look forward to being in touch throughout the week. Have a good evening.